Well, I came to know Jesus Christ at the age of 17, and my parents uh, really prayed me into the kingdom of God. My father was a first Korean Southern Baptist pastor in North America, and uh, we immigrated. I'm not born here. I immigrated when I was five years old and became a citizen when I became 18. And so, uh, but uh, I knew the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was called into vocational ministry. Uh, by the way, I have one son and three daughters, and my son is also a pastor. And so my father's a pastor, I'm a pastor, my son's a pastor, so it's like a generation of pastors. And then God called me to California. I, we were in the nation's capital. My dad was a pastor right downtown Washington, D.C. on 16th Street. Uh, but we moved to California in 1984, and I went to Fuller Seminary, got my master's there, got my doctorate. And, uh, but then we started our church in 1994, Harvest Rock Church. And uh, we uh, had no idea that we would end up suing Governor Newsom during the pandemic for the lockdown. I mean, we were just basically uh, just trying to figure out what was going on, but we did know that our freedom, First Amendment rights were being violated. And of course, we couldn't obey the scripture of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints, which some are in the habit of doing, as you see the day drawing near. And the point being is, is that the church, uh, early church was being persecuted. And as a result of that, a lot of the believers weren't gathering publicly together. And I shouldn't say publicly because it was probably underground, but nevertheless, they were mandated to gather together. And of course, we were not allowed to gather because Governor Newsom said the church is not essential. I mean, think about it, Virginia. Uh, marijuana dispensaries were declared essential. Abortion clinics were declared essential. Even a strip club down in San Diego was declared essential, but not the church. And so we, of course, uh, wrote a letter to him and saying the church has been essential for 2,000 years. And we appealed to him to open up, but he denied us that appeal. And so we decided, based on counsel from my attorney, on uh, May 31st, 2020, to open up as a church. And, um, and we continued to open up. And then uh, Governor Newsom uh, allowed the church to be open for three weeks, but only with real strict requirements. Only 10% of the congregation could attend. And then he said no singing or no chanting. And that was a real violation of our First Amendment because the, uh, the Constitution says the state should not interfere with a free exercise thereof. And when he's telling us not to sing, he's micromanaging uh, a major portion of our worship uh, is, is worshiping with song, with our voice. And so to make a long story short, we sued Governor Newsom in July of uh, 2020. And, um, and then um, as a result of that lawsuit, I got a letter from our city prosecutor in August the next month saying that they were gonna arrest me for opening up and they were going to find our church members millions of dollars, as well as uh, they had the right to re arrest our church members. And that's when something went off in me because I felt like this is crazy. You know, he's allowing prisoners out because he wants social distancing in the prisons, and yet he wants to arrest us uh, who are law-abiding citizens. We simply want to worship Jesus, and yet uh, we're the bad guys. So I realized 
that we have come to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good, good evil, darkness light, light darkness. And so what he was doing, letting prisoners and criminals out was good, but those who want to worship was evil. And uh, we realized that this was really, really from Satan. It's demonic. And so uh, thank God that we took a stand. The lawsuit went by God's grace all the way to the Supreme Court. We had an amazing attorney, Matt Staver, with Liberty Council, and we won in February of 2021, uh, 6-3, uh, allowing and set a precedent for all the churches to be able to meet in America in perpetuity, and never can a governor or even a president lock down the church again. I think uh, it's just a matter of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I think we have to do what's right before God, walk in obedience, and even our sphere may not be as large, but as we do what's right, uh, I believe that uh, the kingdom of God's going to advance. And you can't quantify it from a natural perspective because one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5.10. And he's going to reward us uh, for what we have done. And so we need to really realize that we're living for his glory. And if uh, we, we love God the way he says in John 14 and uh, all the way through John 16, the way we show love is by keeping his commandments, by obeying him. And so for me, uh, whether it went to the Supreme Court or not, I mean, we had no idea it would be picked up. You don't pick the Supreme Court. Uh, Supreme Court picks you, but by God's grace, he picked our case. Uh, Supreme Court picked our case. We just were being obedient uh, to God. And, and you know, there's been a number of verses that have guided me. Like, for example, as a pastor, Galatians 1.10 says, if I'm trying to please men, then I'm not a true servant of Christ. So I'm not here. Ultimately, of course, I want people to like me and our city to like us and and, um, and we got a lot of persecution when we sued and we opened up. Uh, they called me uh, a selfish pastor. They said, you're a hypocrite. You say you love people, but you're killing them. I mean, there were some real mean things said about me personally, but I'm here first and foremost to please God and serve him. 
The other verse that really helped me was 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And that word fear is a very interesting word because it only appears two times in the New Testament. It's not the typical word phobos, which we get the word phobia, which we get fear. But it's a different word as dilea, and really is translated being a coward. So he's not given us this cowardice but he's given us the power of love and a sound mind. The only other time that word appears is in Revelation 21, when he throws cowards along with the murderers and the adulterers into the lake of fire. So it just shows you how he uh, looks at cowardice and so, but he gives us the grace to take a stand. And that's why I give him all the glory because he gave me the grace to do what's right. Uh, my heart was willing, but then he gave me the grace to persevere through all the persecution, uh, the media uh, attacks, as well as even members in my church left the church um, and including pastor, one pastor, a spiritual son quit because I sued Governor Newsom's. And that was more hurtful than even the media attack. But nevertheless, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted to whatever degree for those who are doing what is right, for righteousness sake. Um, and it says, rejoice, be exceedingly glad, because your reward will be great in heaven. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant.
Well, I shared this in my book, uh, Turning Our Nation Back to God Through Historic Revival. And first of all, I define revival, three characteristics of historic revival is that first, the church and pastors must first repent. That's the key to revival. Number two, as a result of that, the harvest of souls will come into the kingdom. And thirdly, society is transformed. So when we talk about pastors and the church, it's his people. He says in Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And even in Joel uh, 2, verse uh, uh, 28 says, and afterwards I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. After what? Well, it says in Joel 2, verse 12, return to the Lord with all your heart with weeping, fasting, and mourning. The word return, Hebrew word shub, means to repent with all your heart. But then it goes and says, let the priest weep between the porch and the altar. Uh, the priest, the pastors must lead the way. And so I really feel that God holds uh, pastors, leaders of the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers responsible. Uh, and, and of course, his people in walking in obedience. Now, what's different in the New Covenant versus the Old Testament, where they repeatedly failed, is that he has placed his law in our hearts. He's given us his spirit, and uh, we're now born again. And so he's given us the grace. But unfortunately, we still have our old body, our old mind. And unless we transform our mind and thinking and offer our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, we have a tendency to disobey instead of obeying the Holy Spirit within us, we have a tendency to conform to the world. And so it's really critical as believers to really uh, really uh, allow the Holy Spirit to change us from glory to glory. The Bible says he's committed to conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, and that's what we need to do. And I believe that as we do that, we will see transformation take place in America, so as well as around the world. And so it begins with God's people, specifically God's leaders. Well, it's very, very important. It's vital. And it really goes back to Genesis 1, 28. From the very beginning, God made them male and female, not two men, not two women, male and female. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And then he says, subdue the enemy and rule over the earth. That's in Genesis 1, 28. So from the very beginning, God made them male and female to reflect the image and likeness of God. And the purpose is to be fruitful, multiply, have a family. So we see the family institution was established from the very beginning. 
And so the highest call is what he established first, which is the family. And I really believe the family is a priority. As the family goes, so goes the local church, so goes our society, so goes our nation. Unfortunately, the family has failed even in the body of Christ. The divorce rate is as high in the church as it is in the world. And this is not to condemn anyone who's gone through a divorce, but this is a very complex issue. But nevertheless, God wants us to really understand, um, uh, I think, our identity. From the very beginning, he made us into his image and his likeness. And the reason why I say that is because God expected us to rule and reign with him. He wants us to partner with him. This is amazing. So through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. But not only that, he makes us now his sons and daughters. We are God's family. And on top of that, the Bible says we're all kings and priests. So if even if you're a, a stay-at-home mom, you are a king, you are a priest. I like the way it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a royal priesthood. Now, the reason why that's so important, when you know your identity, you begin to fulfill your destiny. And so it's so important for people to know that we're made in God's image, we're God's children, and he expects us to rule and reign with them as kings and priests. And not only just with our family, but then he says, subdue evil. Whenever there's evil or injustice in society, let's say, for example, abortion, or uh, same-sex marriage, or transgenderism, anything that's violating God's word, uh, we need to speak out. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to take a stand for righteousness because the foundation of his throne, the Bible says in Psalm 89, uh, verse 14, is righteousness and justice and loving kindness and truth proceed from his throne. So those four things, righteousness, justice, love, and truth are so crucial as followers of Jesus, as believers, to see that manifest in our lives, in our family, and in society. Really, justice is about uh, laws and legislation um, in society, like we made slavery illegal. That's a justice issue. It was once the number one injustice issue of our society, uh, but now uh, I think abortion is because we're still killing. Uh, we've killed 63 million uh, baby since 1973, and thank God for Roe v. Wade being overturned. But I live in a state like California where the abortions are increasing, not decreasing. And so we have to see laws passed. And that's why uh, this notion about being separated from church and state is just not, not only is it not scriptural, it's not even in the Constitution. It doesn't even make common sense because how bad do you want society to get before you'll vote uh, biblically? And so we, we are to be salt and light, we're to make a difference, and we're held accountable. And so with this midterm coming up, I'm trying to get the church registered and vote, do something that's stewarding our citizenship. What a privilege. I had to become a citizen. I wasn't born a citizen. And what an honor it is for me to have a voice uh, in a country that has a system of really making a difference in our government mountain through our voice and our vote. So just encourage the moms, they're amazing because they are uh, kings and priests. They're, uh, they're a child of the living God uh, called the room. Yeah.
Amen. And you're absolutely right. It does begin with the church. Again, it says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way. It doesn't say Congress or the White House. It's God's people. And they have to repent. Uh, and repentance is not just only turning away from sin. But the Greek word repent, metanoia, means to really change the way you think. It's to do a paradigm shift. And so we have to stop thinking um, in, in a wrong way. And we have to think biblically. And that's why I encourage people to vote biblically with biblical values, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so it begins with uh, with true repentance. You're absolutely right. We need to wake up, repent, Virginia. And then we need to do what's right, because that's the key to walking with the Lord. It's uh, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and do what's right and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto us. God will bless us. God will bless the church. And by the way, our church doubled in the midst of the lockdown because people started to come. Because number one, we were open, but also uh, people want to be part of a church that believed in biblical values, and, uh, and they found us. And so we're grateful for even though people did leave, we doubled in size at the end of the day. Yeah, our church is harvestrock.church. And so instead of harvestrockchurch.org, it's harvestrock.church. And uh, if you just go to Harvest Rock and Google, you'll find our church. We're in Pasadena, California. And, um, and so also, if you're interested in our network of churches, because, and I, I need to make this statement, I think it's really important for people to know full disclosure. Uh, we did sue Governor Newsom, but it wasn't only me. I lead a network of churches, and we have around 150 churches in California alone. Now, we're in almost 70 nations, but we have a lot of churches in California. So together as an organization, we sued uh, Governor Newsom. And the reason why I say that, because I do believe uh, that God uses networks to bring about transformation. And so I think it's important for us to unite together to do things for God instead of just doing it solo. And I think we got the Supreme Court's attention because there were 150 of us, not just myself, not just Harvest Rock Church, but a, a group of churches that were saying this lockdown is not constitutional because it's violating our First Amendment rights. So I think it's important for people to come together. God wants unity. I share that again in my book, If We Want a Revival, there has to be extraordinary prayer, there has to be visible unity, and there has to be obedience to God, radical obedience. And so um, so I wanted to make that full disclosure. And if they want to just check out my website, they could go to cheon.org. One, one uh, word, cheon, C-H-E-A-H-N.org. And uh, I thank God my mom gave me a short name. And so Chase, my first name, Ons, my last name. Org, and you could find me there as well.
Well, Virginia, thank you for having me. And one thing that I want to just comment, because you're an amazing woman of God, but you came from a communist country. What people may not know is that my father was also in prison as a pastor in North Korea in 1950. And so I grew up, he, the American soldiers invaded and helped us in the Korean War. My dad was able to escape with uh, millions of other people in a six-month window of opportunity. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for democracy, for the U.S. soldiers that intervene. And, and that's why I love America and America is the greatest nation because of uh, the values, the biblical values that we espouse. And so it's interesting that you and I both love freedom because we know what communism and socialism and totalitarianism is all about. And so thank you for the great job you're doing, uh, voicing uh, the uh, the word about uh, courage and freedom uh, throughout the world. Thank you so much. Ha, ha, ha.